You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Welcome to another episode of Inflow with Soul. Today I have Mary Ellen Dance for our conversation. Mary Ellen Dance is a licensed mental health therapist. She owns a therapy practice in her hometown of Rochester, New York, where she's also a psychology professor at the local university. Mary Ellen has her own podcast called the OK-ish podcast, best name ever, which aims to strip away myths and misunderstandings about mental health and therapy. Mary Ellen, welcome to our conversation. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So today we're going to talk about cutting through the noise. And I was just sharing with Mary Ellen the little clip from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas about the noise, noise, noise. There's always so much noise, whether it's personal or business, and, and it's disorienting. Oh my gosh, it's exhausting. <laughs> exhausting. I like that. Yes, absolutely. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the meat of that, I would like to know a little bit about your story of coming into entrepreneurship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so my story of coming into entrepreneurship. So I, um, a lot of therapists like in in school, like in your master's degree, lots of people talk about going into private practice. Sure. And so that was always a thing that I thought was on the horizon at some point. Okay. Um, but I was not super interested in it. Um, and then I was in a position when I was 26 years old where I was a manager of 55 employees. Wow. And I hated it. And part of why I hated it is because I was in way over my head. Like okay. I was 26 years old managing 55 people. Like I was not equipped sure. to do that sure. by any means. I had, let's see, I had gotten my license, my my therapy license. I had gotten like a year before, right? So I had oh, been in wow. the field, but still like I wasn't like seasoned exactly. very much. Sure. So anyways, I was in over my head and they... Um, they ended up letting me go because sure. I wasn't cutting it. Sure. Um, and that obviously did a number to my self-esteem. And so that it happened in, uh, it was a June that it happens. And, um, that summer I, I was a crazy person applying for jobs. I was applying for anything and everything. And I got offered a bunch of jobs. And every time I got offered a job, I would call my mom crying. And I'd be like, I just can't go, like, I can't go back into it, right? Because I had been okay. working in like, the health clinic world, which is important, but the system's a little bit broken and it can be really toxic. And so every time I would get offered a job and I got offered some great jobs, I would just call my mom crying. And so I was like, all right, this is this is a sign that I don't want to do this. And it it gave me the confidence back that okay, I could get a job if I if I wanted to. Okay. And so so during that time I had turned 27 and I thought, look, I'm 27, I don't have kids, I don't own a house. Like I, I don't like it's if I fail in six months, sure. I'll just go get a job. Like I know that I can get job offers. I'll just go get a job. And I didn't fail, which is pretty <laughs> incredible. That is incredible. I'm still here four years later. <laughs> that is incredible because I, I can't quote the percentages, but we know that a most of the businesses that get started ended up failing in their first three years. So the fact that you've well, made it four, I've made it four is a huge success. And it, 
I'm telling you, I did it all wrong. Like I definitely like my accountant, my lawyer, they don't like me. Like I do think like I ask for forgiveness instead of permission. Right. Like I'm just like, man, let's see what happens. Let's see if it works. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So the, really you're willing to take some risks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And failure absolutely. is not a deal breaker for you. No. Mm-mm. Oh gosh, no. Okay. Oh gosh, no. I am a very, I'm a very much like, let's throw a bunch of shit at the wall and see what sticks. Okay. <laughs> and there's a lot of stuff that has not stuck. I bet. I bet. But there's some good, good things that have. Okay. So during that time, what was the noise that you were experiencing in this transition from a paid job to entrepreneurship? Oh gosh. Well, Lots of, lots of failure, lots of failure noise. You're a failure. You couldn't cut it in that one job. Like, why would, why do you think you can do this? You know, who do you think you are? Lots of that. Lots of noise that was in my head, but also from other people. I got a lot of criticism of you're too young to start a private practice. Like, you're just too young. Like, I didn't start my private practice till I was 50. Like, you can't do, like, that kind of thing. Interesting. Um, a lot of that, a lot of, you have to do it this way. And this is the only way to do it. Right. You have to do A, B, D, E, you know? Um, and I was like, why do I have to do it that way? Like, I think I can do it this way. Like, I'm just going to do it my way. Um, so a lot of that stuff, which was, um, it was hard. I didn't talk about it. So first of all, I didn't tell people that I, had gotten let go from that one job until maybe like six months ago, I started talking about it. Like okay. I kept that a secret for a long time. Yeah. And I didn't really talk about my, my, when I started my private practice, I didn't really talk about it with many people either because I would get so much noise. I would get that noise of like, Oh, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> So I honestly like didn't, which, you know, I look back on and I'm thankful for and not thankful for in a lot of ways because I could have used some, I had some wonderful support from some friends and family, but I could have put myself out there. I wish I had some more support from like other seasoned entrepreneurs, which I didn't have at the time, Um, but I didn't ask for it because I was, I didn't want to hear that noise. So I just like, I just like kept it under wraps um, until I was like pretty self-sufficient, which was, which was awesome. (laughs) So it sounds like you basically climbed this entrepreneurship mountain more or less on your own terms. Absolutely. And you, I, I joke about it, but lots of people, how do I want to say this? I am the typical entrepreneur in a lot of ways, Okay, but in a lot of ways, like I'm not right. Like I'm just, you know, other entrepreneurs will come to me and they'll be like, tell me about your systems. And I'm like, what system? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like you just asked me, you were like, do you have a CRM? Email? Yeah. And I'm like, no. <laughs> 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 I probably should, but I don't. Cause I just don't want to. <laughs> sure. So like there's certain things that, um, like I feel like I'm very much like, you know what? I'm going to do it my own way because I know myself well enough to know that if I'm doing it someone else's way that I don't align with, I'm not going to do it well. I'm going to be annoyed with it. I'm not going to put, you know, all my effort into it. So it's more important. It's more valuable to figure out what works for me, even if it's maybe a little bit backwards. (laughs) And and I think that's not an uncommon path for entrepreneurs to take. And, and sometimes I think that th- there's some intentionality in there. Like, as you were saying, like, eh, I don't want to talk to too many people about this. But, but I also think there's the unintentional part where I don't even know what to ask. Like, if I was with a group of, of seasoned entrepreneurs, I may not even know where to begin asking about what I should be doing, which Absolutely. leaves us alone, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And oh my goodness. Here's a perfect example. Every single person I met, every single entrepreneur, the advice I always get is pick a niche. Yes. Pick a niche. Yep. I never did that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure if I had, I would be in a different and wonderful place than I am now. Sure. 
But that, like, I, there was a while where I felt so much pressure to be like, oh my gosh, but like, I don't have a niche. Like, I know I'm good at, with this type of client, or I know I'm not good with this type, but I wasn't like that very specific. And, um, what w- what ended up happening was I was spending so much time like stressing out over not having that. <laughs> Just, so finally I had to let that go. I had to be like, okay, this is going to do me good at some point, but like right now my focus on this is not helping. Okay. Right. So this is one of the ways that that was one of the pieces of noise that you had to, not had to, I guess, but that you were experiencing, right? So you've got yes. this noise, you got a niche, you got to find your niche, who are you serving? And for you, you were not in a position to be exactly ready for that. Is that a fair way to describe that? Okay. So that becomes noise to you. Mm -hmm. So what was that like for you then to say, all right, here's, and I'm just going to pretend like they were experts that were telling you that you need to niche. You're perceiving this as noise. What gave, what gave you permission, (laughs) right? To say that's noise and I'm not going to use that. Because I got angry. My anger gave me permission, which is probably like not the healthiest thing in the world. But right. So I would hear these, you know, experts like telling me these things. And especially at the beginning of my career, right? Sure. Or at the beginning of my entrepreneurship, I would be like, I'm just trying to get clients in the door. And you're telling me I need to like turn away if they're not my, like, are you kidding me? Like, are you going to pay my electric bill? Right. Um, and like, I was like, that's, I got angry. And so, um, because what was happening was that's wonderful advice, but not for me for what I needed at that time. Okay. And so I think, you know, in hindsight, looking back, I would have said to those experts, look, I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure I can pay my bills. That's my number one priority. So let's focus on that. Right. So tell me how the anger helped you know who you were. The anger helped me to feel less insecure, right? So at first it's insecurities of, oh my gosh, all these people know their niches. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm going to fail, right? All of this. And then then I got angry and was like, you don't know, you don't know my life, right? Like, I need, Mm -hmm. I need to figure this out. I'm not there yet. Like, and that helps me to feel less insecure. That helped me to feel more like, okay, great that they're there. Awesome. I'll listen to that advice at some point in the future. But like right now, like I'm going to take anyone I can get coming through my doors that wants therapy. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, You know, obviously within reason, I would, I would never take someone that I wouldn't be able to, you know, properly treat. Um, But but, but yeah, it was a lot of that, you know, and I still, I still feel the noise, right? Like so many people mm-hmm. have told me to do online courses. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I am sorry. I just have no interest in that. And, mm-hmm. and it takes a while to get to that point, right? Because right. I've been told to do this and I've done some research and I've looked at it and I'm like, oh, maybe this is a good idea. And then I almost like convince myself that it's a good idea. I'm almost like, oh yeah, this is like what people are doing. This is a good idea. But I have that nagging, like, and I've learned that I need to listen to that because if I don't think it's a good idea, then I'm not going to put forth my best effort. I'm not going to do my work. I'm not going to be confident, right? People are not going to buy things from someone who's not confident about it. And so it's, you know, and I think that cutting through that entrepreneurial noise is kind of going to always be a battle, right? Of figuring out, what that looks like for, for me and recognizing like, okay, what am I trying to convince myself of versus what do I actually want? (laughs) So it sounds like as we're describing noise, there's internal noise and there's external noise. What do you think is the more challenging? So I think that's a loaded question because I think our internal noise gets developed from external noise. Tell me more. (laughs) (laughs) um so if if i believe deep into my core that i am a loud outgoing person Mm -hmm. i believe that's even in my core you can't tell me otherwise 
but I've also been told that my whole life. So I've been told that I've acted in those ways and now it's completely internalized. And sure. So that's like a fine thing, but unfortunately it happens with other things, right? Like, um, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day who's she she's tall and kind of lanky and she has internalized that she's awkward looking because when she was okay. younger, she went through an awkward phase. People made sure. fun of her because she never really got out of the awkward phase, right? She's kind of tall. She's got limbs all over the place. And um, she's like, yeah, I just like, I'm so awkward. I'm so awkward, right? Because that has been internalized. So right. I think that's where... Like that's honestly a lot of what I do in therapy with people is look at, okay, like what, like who's saying this? Where is that message coming from? Is that message coming Mm -hmm. from something you want or is that message coming from other people? Right. I see it with dating all the time. I have a, I have a client right now who she started dating this guy and he is different than people she's dated in the past and her family, her family's all kind of like white collar. This guy's blue collar comes from a broken family, like things like that, that she's not used Mm -hmm. to. And she was like, I can't date that. I can't date that. And I'm like, but what, like, where's that message coming from? Like, who is that message coming from? Is that, if that's what, if you don't want to date him, don't date him. But if it's coming from, you know, all these other things. So I think in terms of, sorry, sorry to make a long answer longer. Um, I think in terms of cutting through the noise, it's so hard because we often don't know what the noise is. Like we don't know, like, do I think this or do, have I just internalized this or we don't know what that is. Exactly. So how do you help your clients then start to tease that out? Who am I and who, and, and who, what part of me is what I, what I've been told about me? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, absolutely. A lot of a lot of how I do it. Ugh, I don't know how I do. It. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the magic of therapy, Mary. <laughs> One activity I do with a lot of people is events. Events happen, right? So some events happen okay. to us all the time. So it's right. not uncommon for someone to come into therapy and say you know, oh, such and such fight happened with my spouse or at work or whatever. And I always ask, if you had to assign meaning to that event, let's say it's a fight with your spouse. If you had to assign Mm -hmm. meaning to that event with a statement that started with I am, what would that be? And so a lot of times, okay, so Mary, let's say you just had a fight with your spouse and, you know, talking about it and, you know, your spouse is annoyed with you because you're asking for too much. Right. Mm -hmm. And I asked that question, your response might be, I am needy. I am annoying. I am whatever, right. Fill in the blank. And so then we start to tease that apart. Like, okay, just because you had a fight with your spouse, does that mean you're needy? No, it doesn't. Where else does this statement come from? Why else are we thinking this? Sure, you probably can be needy sometimes, but it doesn't mean that you are a needy human being. And like, so we, we do this all the times where things that happen to us, we say, we, we like internalize it as, um, as like a broad statement. So like Mm -hmm. another client I have, she growing up, she had a learning disability. So she internalized that to, I am stupid. Like, no, 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 no. That has nothing to do with whether you're smart or stupid, but that was how it got like internalized. So teasing that apart and recognizing the difference between I'm a smart person. I had a learning disability, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that I'm not a smart person. That kind of thing. Does that make any sense? It does. It absolutely does. And, and even in coaching, I, we use some of those same approaches about the meaning. What did this mean to you? And I think one of the things that as I got into coaching, um, and had some coaching, it shocked me to discover how we really make everything mean something about us. Oh, we're so selfish with it. <laughs> and, 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 and even in saying selfish, I think that's an accurate term, but we have so much baggage around the term selfish. Like I shouldn't be selfish, but 
I really think that that's the way our system is designed. Our unconscious mind, I think, is is here to protect us, right? And to help us avoid pain that we may have experienced in the past or prevent pain that we think might happen in the future. And so we look at what's happening around us according to that barometer. Am, is this going to cause me pain now? Is this going to create pain in the future? What does this mean for me? What does this mean about me? That's what really surprised me, is that I'm making everything mean something about me, good, bad, or, or otherwise. Well, and the, and the reason we do that, like you said, is a protective mechanism, right? So exactly. um, using, using the example of people who are in abusive relationships, mm-hmm. they learn how to act in order to protect themselves. Right. And oftentimes those coping skills are not healthy or sustainable or long-term, but Mm -hmm. in those moments, that's so amazing that they have figured out a way to to act in this relationship to protect themselves. Right. Um, And so, so we, it it is, I also believe that a lot of it is just based on, figuring out how to protect ourselves, how to keep ourselves safe. Um, mm-hmm. Like using that I am needy example, figuring out, okay, I have to keep this relationship safe. So I not need to not be needy to keep this relationship safe because that will right. keep me safe. Right. But then it gets all like convoluted and then we have all the external noise that is usually giving right. 70,000 different messages <laughs> that it just, um, it gets all mixed up. It does. And it is noisy. It's noisy. It's noisy. So so you ask your clients to think about what does this mean? Um, tell me about some of the other things maybe then that you ask your clients to start observing or, or how do you help them outside of your therapy session monitor, monitor is not the right word, observe their own behaviors so that they can start to see some of these patterns. Do you have any particular? Seeing some of the patterns of making meaning out of things. Yeah. Like are they, do they end up making me, if I'm needy, like am I needy? Did that message come up? Like if I learned in my session with you that I made this argument with my husband mean about me that I'm needy. My question then would be, uh, for myself is, like as your client, I would say, well, I wonder where else I'm showing up as needy. So this is going to sound so cliche, but uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of growth is about awareness. So being yeah. aware of, okay, how can we be aware of when we're feeling that way? What feelings come along with I am needy? Because needy is not a feeling, right? right. So what feelings are around that? What decisions are we making based off of feelings versus based off of what we actually want? Right. Um, you know, because let's say, you know, continuing to go with this example, I'm needy. Okay, I had something bad happen at work the day after this fight with my spouse. And now I don't want to go to my spouse and complain about it because I don't want to be perceived as needy. So I'm going to react in this way. And all of that comes along with thoughts and it comes along with feelings and being able to tease apart. What's the thought? What's the feeling? Where is this coming from? And then how do we effectively cope with that feeling? And I Mm -hmm. think that's where a lot of us are completely clueless because mm-hmm. we're not taught this, right? Like, right. I can recognize this feeling. And well, first of all, so many people can't recognize feelings, right? I, True. I you can relate. I ask people how they're feeling. And they're like, like they're mad at me. Like that's not a feel, right? Like it's, it's hard. Right. It's a muscle we have to strengthen. But once we strengthen that muscle and can recognize our feelings, do we truly know, like when I am feeling anxious, Do I know the best thing to do for me? Do I know myself well enough to know what's going to make me more anxious and what's going to make me less anxious? And being able to um, play off of that, being able to go off of that. Do I, when I'm feeling anxious, do I know what's going to make me more versus less anxious? But also, do I know that I am making this decision based on a thoughtful process, not just a knee-jerk reaction to the anxious feeling? Right. 
You know, we're, and again, that anxious feeling could be the, the default. The anxious feeling could be the default, um, response, right? This is how our unconscious mind has said, here's how we respond to these kinds of mm-hmm. situations. Mm-hmm. Um, th- but, and then with the awareness, then we can acknowledge, okay, there's, here comes my default mechanism again. This is what I have always done. Then I have a, a gap. I have a gap between that thought and the next thought. So what do I want my next thought to be? Is this making sense? So feelings are not facts. True. So a lot of it is teasing apart. What's a feeling? Feelings are valid. They're okay to have all of that. Mm -hmm. But like, what is this feeling versus like what is actually going on in the world? Right? Because 99% of the time I'm anxious. It has to do Mm -hmm. with nothing other than the way my brain works. (laughs) Right. Um, And so being able to tease apart that, being able to say, how am I with what I'm doing, with what I'm thinking, with the conversations I'm having, how am I contributing to the anxiety? Because so often we contribute to our negative emotions without even realizing it, right? You have a a fight with your spouse, that feels crappy. You leave the fight Mm -hmm. and then you go think, I'm needy, I'm needy, I'm needy. That's, you're going to feel worse. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's, so again, where, where that awareness, right? So then you're, this is the awareness then that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So being uh, aware of that emotion first, and then being aware of the story that you're telling yourself that c- perpetuates that response mm-hmm. so that now you have a choice. Do I want to continue to tell myself that I'm needy or do I want to choose a different option? Which... And here's where I think the other part of the noise comes then is what's the other option? Because well, this is what I've been doing forever. And it's hard work. It's such hard yeah. work, right? If I've been thinking that I'm needy forever, right? Like my example with being loud and outgoing, if someone came up to me and was like, no, Mary Ellen, you're shy. I'd be like, <laughs> like, go away. Right. No. Right. Um, so a lot of that is gathering evidence. Like we all have to be little scientists for ourselves, right? I like Like, that. Like my, my, my client with the learning disability gathering evidence. Mm -hmm. Okay. You have a learning disability. Does that, is that evidence for being stupid? Like I'm pretty sure nowhere in the definition of stupid says learning disability. So first of all, let's Mm -hmm. recognize that those are two different things, but also is there other evidence that you're stupid, right? Have you failed out of college because you just couldn't, you couldn't cut it and this and that and the other thing, which which even that doesn't mean you're stupid, but like just as Mm -hmm. examples, right? And so, you know, going apart, like I've had this client be like a little scientist for herself of like, okay, where has the evidence been that I have been? Where's the evidence been that I haven't? When I have made quote unquote stupid decisions or stupid mistakes, have I been able to learn from them and rectify them? And what is stupid even really? Some say that this, I might say this is stupid. Some other people might say this is smart, right? Being able yes. to kind of like dissect it. So this is interesting. So you, you just brought in that external noise again. Yes. Right? So, and I, that's a really good way to show how that external noise fits into our internal noise. Yeah. Right. So if we're being unconscious of this process, we're not being aware, then, and we're feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. What we, when we look outside of ourselves, we're looking for that evidence that anxiety is the right behavior for me right now. And if you look, there's probably always going to be a good reason to be anxious about something. Right. Mm -hmm. Versus again, looking at becoming the scientist and saying, Oh, isn't this interesting? Here's what I'm doing. What else can I do? Am I willing to try something else? Am I willing to try on a new story for myself? Right. See what happens. A a good question that I have people ask themselves is, what's another possibility? Okay. Right? So you have a fight with your husband and you think I'm needy. What's another possibility? That's one. That's one option. That is one answer. There's probably 35,000 more. So what's another possibility? Just to kind of like strengthen that um, that flexibility of maybe the stories we tell ourselves or we've been told aren't true. 
what are the other possibilities? Exactly. And then once I know what's true for me, now I can take in what's coming at me, input from other sources, and say, does this align with who I am or who I'm becoming Mm -hmm. um, in this case? And so if it's aligned, then great, I'll take that in. It's not noise. This it's information, but if it's not aligning, it is noise and I can let it go. And I, I don't have to feel guilty about letting it go. Well, and to a- absolutely. And to add to that, like we always like, how do I want to say this? We often as humans, it feels good to us to assign things. It feels good right. to us to like put things in little boxes. Right. And so I did it at the beginning exactly. of this episode. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not this type of entrepreneur. This is what I am. Right. Cause it feels good to us to like have that in like a neat little bow of a label. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the importance with recognizing what's helping, what's hurting us is to be flexible with those, to be flexible yes. with those labels and those wants and needs. And because um, our wants and needs are changing all of the time. And if we've labeled ourselves as one thing and one day we're like, I'm okay with this label, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm good with this. It, it aligns with what I feel and what I want. And then we change our minds because we're we change our minds all the time being able to be flexible with that too. That's that's an, another interesting topic of just being willing to change my mind about who I am or who I could be because I think that you're, you're using your example of being loud and, yep. and boisterous, right? That sounds like something you're willing to live with. But if it was something that you were not willing to live with, then considering, as you say, those other possibilities – how how do I want to def- describe myself? How do I want to define myself? So, and, well, and I'm going to take this into another, oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like okay. we're just like going deeper and deeper and deeper. I didn't even plan on going here today. Like <laughs> using the loud and boisterous example, that's me, right? Mm-hmm. But that having a positive or negative connotation comes from mm-hmm. the noise. Because you believe that the outside people are judging whether or not being loud and boisterous is a good thing or a bad thing? Well, whatever it is for us, like okay. being loud is just a fact. Like right. you can measure Neutral. that with like decibels or whatever. That is just sure. a fact. But we all have preconceived notions about what that means. Exactly. And okay. That so that's from like the noise and the stories and like all of that. Okay, so if I if I'm understanding you correctly, then the noise pieces. So you've got I'm loud, and boisterous. Mm-hmm. It's a neutral fact. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Are you saying it doesn't mean anything until someone else decides that it means something? Yeah. Okay. Often, I was just reading. Here's a here's a better example. I was just reading a book, and it's about it's about a girl who who's plus size and has always been okay. plus size, and she knew she was plus size. But she mm-hmm. didn't know that was a bad thing until, and she tells the story of when she was like six or seven years old and like her grandma tried to um, put her on a diet. So she, mm-hmm. she knew she was plus size. She knew what size clothes she wore. She knew how she looked. It was just a fact. It didn't mean anything right. until she found out, oh, this is bad. Right. And then that meaning was assigned to that fact. Right. Now, as the individual, as an aware individual, right? If we're living unconsciously, we're going to take that input from other people. This means mm-hmm. if you're a plus size, that's not good for whatever reason, right? We're going to judge that as bad. So if I'm being unaware and unconscious, I'm just going to accept that other meaning from the outside and, and own that for myself. Well, um, yeah, like that's a, it's a little bit more complicated than that. Like, I think it happens over time and it happens over of lots of experiences. Um, and, you know, like actually in this book, it was so powerful. Like that her dad finds out about what this grandma was saying to her and, you know, mm-hmm. says, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. Like, that's not true. And, and the line just says, but the damage was already done. Like that's that that, like poison snuck into her brain and was like, Oh, well, my dad thinks I'm beautiful, but like this person, and that must mean a lot of other people think I'm not. 
And right. so, so just like, and, and these stories, uh, a big, not a problem, but like a big factor is a lot of these things happen when we're very little, right? Exactly. When we're little, we don't know how to filter the information nope. we're getting. I mean, we don't know how to filter it when we're big either. Right. <laughs> so we especially <laughs> don't when we're, when we're little, you know? Um, and, and so that, so then we're little, we get this information and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. And then we're adults and we're in therapy and we're like, oh my gosh, why do I think I'm so needy? Well, right. <laughs> let's right. uncover it. <laughs> so I think this brings in another source of noise and, and that is about the behaviors of other people. Now, again, as an adult or as a child, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the language, we don't have the the context to really understand what our experience is, right? We're just experiencing things. But as an adult, we again, we have an, if, if we're going to become an aware adult, we have an option now of looking at be, behaviors of others and deciding, deciding is probably not the right word, remembering that their behaviors is about, our behaviors are, their behaviors are about them their behaviors are not about me. So let's use that example of, uh, of an argue with my spouse. If I'm arguing with my spouse and my, my spouse says something or whatever, his, his behaviors is an expression of where he's at in that moment, right? Doesn't condone, does not, you know, doesn't mean that it's all okay. But I, I again, I, maybe I'm just going to say then that this is one of my areas of learning is to, as an adult, to put that filter on other people's behaviors. So when I see somebody, or I'm in, I'm in an experience where I feel like someone has disrespected me, okay? So I can either take that on as I'm being disrespected, which means that I must not be worthy or I'm not good enough or whatever. I can make it mean that. Or I can remind myself that that behavior is really about them. It has nothing to do with who I am. And I completely agree with you. And that's true. Um, it's so hard. I can say that now when I'm, oh, yeah. you know, feeling calm, if I'm in an argument with my spouse or if someone that I care about, you know, disrespects me or something like that, it's so hard to put that filter on it. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yet, I have found that when I can show up in that way, and again, that's the, here's my default, and that default expression is going to come up first, but if I can become aware enough and say, okay, that's my reaction, what's really happening here? What other options do I have? Yep. Could I, Yep. right, how else, so I could either take the bait and get engaged into this argument because I'm going to defend myself against my this perceived assault, um, or I can remove myself from the situation, knowing that they're in a space right now where we can't be productive, mm-hmm. um, or I can stand in the storm and you know communicate empathy in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have at least three options that we can use. If we're able to withstand the storm and communicate empathy without engaging in the fight with someone, that's like such an amazing skill and what that person needs, right? So often when we fight with other people, it's because we're both hurting about separate things. Yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. And, you know, it's just, you know, it's interesting, like, Going, you know, when I work with couples, like one of the things I I talk about is like rules for fighting and healthy Mm -hmm. fights and like recognizing that like sometimes like reminding the other person that you love them in a fight is like one of the most powerful things you can do. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Right. Because again, if we're in an argument and we're both being defensive, in order to come together, one or the other has to drop their defenses first. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or together, ideally, but... Ideally. <laughs> yeah. Ideally. <laughs> Let's face it, we don't live in that world very often. <laughs> so cutting through the noise sounds like it's really 
being aware that there, that this is noise, right? So a lot of what we're taking in and a lot of what we're even telling ourselves is noisy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the trick, the objective, it sounds like is to really get to know who am I really? Am I this loud and boisterous person or have I just become that because that's what people told me that I was and I wanted to live up to those expectations? Or am I this loud and boisterous person, but I think it's bad or good because other people have assigned that to it? Right. Oh, so that there's the piece then about coming in and accepting ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I love that I'm loud and boisterous. Like it is part of my personality. Like I, right. somebody, somebody was just, uh, I was just talking to a friend about a social situation I was in and she was like, Ooh, that's like your jam. Like you were like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. But uh, there have been a lot of times where I have been told that that loud is just a fact that that is bad. Yeah. Right. That, that is bad. So I can't tell you how many times like being in high school or, you know, in those, those uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. horrible hormonal years where I was like, I'm just going to stop talking. I'm just going to be quiet. It'll be better for everyone. Right. Right. It had nothing to do with anything. It was just this assigned meaning that got internalized. Exactly. Exactly. So becoming aware of our the rule, the stories that we're telling ourselves are those stories that are true. Are those stories that we even want to live with anymore? Right. Right. And, and then looking at what other possibilities, what other possibilities? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and (laughs) I mean, we don't have enough time to go all into this, but adding to that, the fact that right now in this day and age, we are getting noise everywhere. And a lot Mm -hmm. of the noise, quite frankly, is this is what you're doing wrong. Let me teach you how to do it better. Right. Right. Cause a lot of it, like just on social media, I go on social media and it's like, you've been exercising all wrong. You've been dieting all wrong. You've been meditating all wrong. Like you've been like, you've been doing your morning routine all wrong. Let me tell you how I can do this. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's, it's exhausting. Right. Well, especially again, if you're taking all of these messages that in your you're making them mean that you were wrong. Mm-hmm. That is exhausting because the, now I'm in constant defensive mode. Well, and if I'm being told I'm wrong over and over and over again, I'm going to start to think it. <laughs> I'm going to believe it, right? Yeah. Right? And if I'm wrong about everything, because we also know our, our brain likes to generalize, right? Yeah. If I'm wrong about this, I must be wrong about that. And if I'm wrong about that, well, then this whole thing must be wrong too. Yeah. Like I, yeah. one of my favorite things to talk about is the, the, the health culture and by no okay. means am I an expert. So this is completely like my experience, but like, I cannot keep track. I literally can't keep track. Like one day, one day gluten's good for you. One day it's bad for you. One day meat's good for you. One day it's right. bad for you. Like I was just told I eat eggs all the time. I love eggs. I've always mm-hmm. thought they were healthy. I was just told, oh, apparently eggs aren't healthy anymore. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can't do right. it. I can't take it. <laughs> yeah. And and we don't know what to do with that information if we don't know who we are and what we stand for Correct. and what's right for our body. Because eggs may not be good for you. They may be great for me. I may be exactly what I need. We're getting mixed messages too, right? Right. I get the message of, oh no, eggs are bad for you. Again, we're all different. Maybe eggs are bad for you, but good for me. But then on another thing I hear, eat eggs three times a day, right? So it's it's like, I'm like, oh my gosh. And what it's leaving me with, or what it's leaving all of us with is confusion, a lot of confusion And feeling bad. Yeah. Like feeling bad. I have, um, I have another client who I use this example all the time because it's, it's just such a good example. She comes to me and she says, I'm doing all the things I'm journaling. I'm taking a walk every day. I'm taking a bath at night. Um, whatever. Right. I'm writing gratitude lists. I'm doing all the things and I still feel like crap. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me that these things work for other people and they don't work for me? Mm-hmm. T- 
talk about noise. Like, there's nothing wrong with you. First of all, these things don't work for other people. Like, gratitude lists are great, but, like, it's not a cure for depression. Um, And, like, so some of this, this helpful noise has the adverse effect when it doesn't work. Like, oh, this... No egg diet works for other people. It doesn't work for me. What's wrong with me? Oh, this gratitude list every morning works for other people. It doesn't work for me. And so it's adding this like pressure um, that, yeah, that's just making us feel bad. (laughs) Well, and, and that kind of goes back to your example at the beginning of not wanting to niche. Yeah. Right? And you having to get to the point where you said, this is not what I'm ready for at this moment. Right. So any of those things are not bad things. Right. right? They're great things to do when you're in that space where you're ready for that. Because just to sit down and write a gratitude journal because you've been told that that's what you're supposed to do and it's going to make you feel better, it's not going to be the it's not going to be the cure. It could be part of your a, a transformation, right. but it but it probably won't be I'm not saying it can't be, but it probably won't be that piece that turns everything. Well, and so it's really, really funny. So I I, I now do it differently because I figured out what, what works for me. But when I started journaling, I would write gratitude lists. And my gratitude mm-hmm. lists created an immense amount of guilt because I would start writing. And then I'd be like, oh my gosh, I forgot to write this. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm like, <laughs> 10 things down on my list and I haven't even said I'm thankful for my health and like, Oh my gosh, I need to be more thankful about this. And Oh, what am I forgetting? And then I, I would get in these, like, I have to just sit all day and think of every single thing I'm grateful for. Which right. is not what gratitude lists are meant to invoke. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but you know, it, it's things like that that can often have this like adverse effect. And that's actually like my podcast is called okay-ish. And the whole reason it's called okay-ish is because I see empowerment is such like a, a trendy word. And I see so many people that are like, well, I'm just not feeling empowered. And I'm like, yeah, no shit, because we're living life. Like you're not going to feel empowered all the time. Right. Like, can we aim right. for that? Can we work towards that? Can we feel that some of the time? Absolutely. But like, that's unrealistic to wake up and feel empowered every single day. <laughs> like, that's right. not part of the human experience. <laughs> right. It's a little of everything, right? We got to take the good, the bad, and the ugly, and everything Absolutely. in between. Absolutely. Yeah. So if we, if you were to sum up this whole idea about cutting through the noise, how would you do that? Oh gosh, <laughs> that's hard to do. Cause there's so much to it. Like, I feel like as we're talking, we just kept like uncovering more, you know, puzzle pieces, to more that. layers. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a lot of it, if I were to sum it up, it's, it's recognizing that we're all getting so much noise. Okay. And being able to turn off that noise when we can and recognizing that even when we turn off that noise, it's still going on in our heads. Right. Right. And so if we're taking a bubble bath and we're thinking I'm needy, I'm needy, I'm needy, I'm needy, I'm needy, that's not going to be a helpful form of self-care. And so being able to recognize that we're all working through the noise and figuring it out and it's okay that we're all figuring it out. And as much as I love learning from other people and hearing other people's stories, recognizing that it's okay if that's not the same for me. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this is where therapy or coaching can also come into play to help you cut through some of that inner noise. Absolutely. 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 so that you can really get to that core of who who do I really want to be? Like I've yeah. I've been a lot of things. I've taken on a lot of personas over the course of my life because I thought I needed to or I had to or I was told to. Mm-hmm. So as as an adult, then to to find someone who can listen and help you uncover who am I really? Mm-hmm. Because once we know who we really are, then the rest again we can take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. It either aligns with us and moves me closer to who I want to become, or it's going to be a distraction and I don't need to be a part of that. Well, who am I really? And what does that mean? I really am yeah. loud, but what does that sure. mean? Sure. You know, sure. um, yeah. and, and how can I, 
how can I make that mean something that fits with me, that aligns with what I want? Right. Exactly. Mary Ellen, thank you again for sh- for for this conversation uh, about cutting through the noise. I mean, uh, we've we've covered a lot of territory. We went really deep in some areas, which I think just goes to show this is a big deal. Yeah, like I love noise this conversation. I honestly came into this conversation thinking like, okay, we're going to talk about this and and just what it uncovers is just so fascinating. I I love that. <laughs> I do too. I do too. And that's why I love having these conversations and and being able to share these conversations because I don't know about you, but I I can't have these conversations with just anybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to be able to share these conversations and and give people permission to start having these conversations with their colleagues and their family and their closest friends. Well, and these conversations are uncomfortable. You know, so often I find that the people who don't want to have these types of conversations, it's not that they don't want that. It's just like, it's unknown. It's uncomfortable. Like these are muscles that we're not used. These are brain muscles that we're not used to using. Right, right. Well, before we close today, tell our audience where people can find you, what and uh, what kind of services and that you offer. Absolutely. Um, the best place to find me is maryellendance.com. I, according to Google, I'm the only Mary Ellen Dance in the world. So if you Google me, you should find me. <laughs> you. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, I really want to thank you for, for you taking your time and sharing your expertise with us and, and having such a vibrant conversation. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much for having me on. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.